Hello, this is On The Left Side, the alternative football show, and I'm Jim. Don't think that just because the season has finished, that will be it for On The Left Side. We will be pumping out the football funny right through the summer, so make sure you've subscribed. However you listen to the podcast, and click like on our Facebook channel, which is facebook.com forward slash on the left side pod. And this week, Harry Redknapp has been making headlines again as he takes the reins full time at Birmingham City. We all know Harry loves an old warhorse, and he told the Spurs Show podcast that he's got his eye on former defender Benoit Asoakoto. But there is one small problem. He's admitted he's, he wants to be a porn star. <laughs> but maybe, you know, maybe I can get another year out of him before he decides to do that. <laughs> I'm sure that playing for Birmingham City and being a porn star isn't that different, to be honest. With both of them, the people watching will probably turn off after about five minutes and you're bound to end up closer to the bottom than you're comfortable with. So, what's coming up on this week's show? Football is going green, we may be getting a Wexit reversal, and we say goodbye a lot. But first, Manchester is still buzzing. Last week, Jose Mourinho out-Jose Mourinho'd himself with the shortest press conference in the history of press conferences. Okay guys, questions please, on the game. Any questions? No? Good. Bye, guys. No questions? Thank you. We tried. <laughs> That's the lot. 17 seconds. It was pretty much Jose Mourinho and his press assistant addressing an empty room, as all the journalists at Manchester United's final game versus Palace were busy watching the players do their lap of honour instead of being in the press conference. But ahead of the Europa League final this week, he managed to even beat that record by not giving a press conference at all. Sadly, the reasons behind the no-show were far more sinister. Jose's pre-Europa League press conference was cancelled after a horrific attack on a Manchester music venue that shocked the city and put a dark backdrop against the biggest game of Manchester United's season. I'm not a Mancunian, not born and bred in this city, but I have lived here in Manchester for more than 10 years. And the way that Manchester reacted to the attack reminded me of all the things that made me want to move to this city in the first place. The pride, the integrity, the warmth, the compassion, the community spirit, the personality, the love. And the ability, when surrounded by tragedy and horror, to still maintain that core Mancunian trait of being able to take the piss. Manchester, you were beautiful. But it's another of Manchester's adopted sons, a man with the heart of a poet that could put those feelings far better than I ever could. King Cantona. I think deeply to the victims, to the wounded persons, kids, teenagers, adults, to their families, to their friends, to all, all of you. All of us. I suffer with you. My heart is with you. Legend. Football as a whole did itself proud in the city. There were countless messages of support from players. City and United donated £1 million to a charity for the victims' families. And the Etihad Stadium even became the centre for missing persons directly after the attack. But it wasn't just football in the city that stood as one to help. 
West Ham boss David Sullivan felt he wanted to help and he reached out to Steve, a homeless man who had been one of the first responders to the scene and became one of the heroes of the disaster. Just because I'm homeless, it doesn't mean that I haven't got a heart and I'm not human still, you know what I mean? You had to help. If, if I didn't help, I wouldn't be able to live with myself for, for walking away and sitting and leaving kids like that. Having heard the story, Sullivan stepped up and offered to pay Steve's rent for six months in order to help him get back on his feet and start his life again. It's incredibly touching, and given the deal that Sullivan pulled off for the Olympic Stadium, if I was going to ask anyone to negotiate me a rental agreement, it would probably be him. But there was still a game of football to be played, albeit a game of football that was played in an atmosphere very different to the one that you'd normally expect on a European final. A feeling that was summed up expertly by Mark Chapman on BBC Five Live in his pre-match build-up. I'm proud to call Manchester my city, the place where I grew up, the place where I live, the place where my family and my children go out, like so many did on Monday night, and never came back. I love the place, and I'm in love with the place. The team here tonight are from that city, and many will want them to win for the city. This is only a game of football, it doesn't really matter, and I'll be honest with you, I don't massively want to be here. I want to be at home, cuddling my kids, and telling them that we'll go to the arena again, to a gig and we'll sing and we'll dance but we will never forget the victims of Monday night but we are here treating it as a football match with importance and with so much emotion for people back home the game felt almost inconsequential Paul Pogba scored a massively deflected goal which meant he was suddenly worth every single penny of that 89 million pounds that was spent on him and Jose did what Jose does Jose won the game that Jose had to win. My favourite moment of the whole match, in fact, came just after the final whistle. It's a fifth European trophy for Manchester United and they're walking wounded, some of which threw their crutches in the air as they uh, ran on the field to celebrate. And that's an understatement. These supposedly injured players leapt in the air and ran on the field with much more pace than Wayne Rooney has showed in the entirety of this season. But that's not saying much. Maybe the most significant part of the evening as a whole was concerning Wayne Rooney himself. Jose was very keen to get the United captain on for the last 60 seconds of the game, leading many to ask more questions about his future. A future which Jose refused to confirm belonged outside Old Trafford. Rooney, however, was slightly less cagey. He released a statement saying he had more or less decided on his future. I can only assume what he means is whether he's going to take more money in China or less money in the MLS. A few weeks ago, we met the guys at West Disbury and Chalton FC, the most hipster football club in the world. But now another team is going to give them a run for their money. You may think that Forest Green sounds like a starter on a fancy vegan menu. Well, you wouldn't be too far from the truth because last week, in the heart of the Cotswolds, Forest Green Rovers became the smallest club ever to win promotion to the Football League. And they also claim to be the world's first vegan football club, with a whole lineup of vegan ideas and eco-credentials. Dale Vince is the club chairman. He is here now to tell us more. Hello, Dale. Hiya. So first, congratulations. I mean, what does this mean for the football club? In some ways, it's a world of difference for us. Getting into League Two was always going to be the first step of our journey, and we knew that it would be difficult because there were only two promotion spots out of the conference, one automatic, one to the playoffs, and 
We want to be a championship football club. That's part of our long-term ambition. So we're on our way as the football song goes. I mean, it was about two years ago you decided to begin this journey and turn Forest Green Rovers into an eco-friendly vegan football club. What was your thinking behind making that change? It was longer ago than that. We first got involved in Forest Green in 2010. Uh, They were on the verge of bankruptcy and relegation all at the same time, which is a nice combination. And uh, it's our local football club. Um, uh, I run a company called Eco Tricity, so we're based here in the same area. We decided that there was an opportunity to take our work from the world of the environment into the world of football, reach a new audience relatively untouched by that message. So we've just kind of combined our day job with football and had a great time doing it. Does the vegan and eco-friendly method stretch to every single corner of the club? Everything that you could think of that sort of follows that mission statement, if you like, is it catered for? It does break down into energy, transport and food because 80% of all environment problems are in those three areas. So on a personal basis, it's a question of how you heat and light your home. So at Forest Green, we've got solar panels on the roof making electricity for us. And then there's transport. We've got rows of electricity pumps for electric cars out front of our stadium. And then the food front, the biggest thing any of us can do, the most important thing is go vegan, stop eating meat and dairy. So it's quite simple in that respect, but we've got wildlife areas around the edge of the ground. We've got an organic football pitch. It really is in the DNA of the football club. Isn't every pitch an organic football pitch? It's grass. Isn't grass kind of organic? (laughs) Grass is a plant. Uh, but how you grow it isn't organic <laughs> if you dump a load of pesticides and fertilisers on it. And that's the difference. As far as we know, it's the only one in the country, certainly in professional football. How many times a week do you have to cope with jokes from people saying, eh, your players they won't have energy to last 90 minutes on their vegan diets and all that? <laughs> Never. Sometimes if I visit an away club, fans will kind of chant at me. Sometimes it's humorous, sometimes it's a bit dumb, to be honest. Like sometimes people just go, meat, meat, meat. And I go, well, is that all you've got? (laughs) (laughs) Fans that come and visit us, they can be really humorous in the stuff they chant. And I appreciate it. I think it's very cool. At Wembley, our fans were chanting, vegan, vegan, as we were winning 3-1 and the clock was ticking down to 90. Well, it's interesting you mentioned chants because I thought there's an element here that might be missing from Forest Green Rovers. And we spoke to West Disbury and Chalton FC, a club up in Manchester, who say they are the first hipster football club. And they have a chant in theirs that goes and that's their chant for their football club so I thought I'd come up with some vegan football chants for you and maybe you'd like to adopt one of those for your own so I've got a couple of these I'll run these past you so you can tell me whether you fancy any of these for the terraces of Forest Green Rovers first one you're You're going going home in a hybrid ambulance I like it. You like that one? Okay. A bit old school, that one. Yeah, a little bit. Let's see if we can get another one. What the hell is smoked tofu? What the hell is smoked tofu? We see our fans wouldn't sing that one because they'll know. (laughs) This is very true. It's a good point. All right, I've got one more for you. I think you'll like this one. This is my favourite. We sit, but not on leather. We sit, but not on leather. Pretty good. I'll tell you my favourite. Uh, we were visited by Bath City five, six years ago. We were winning 4-0 um, in the second half, and their fans started singing, Where's your burger van? Where's your burger van? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was brilliant. It was tuneful, it was humorous, and, uh, you know, they were 4-0 down. I thought, fair play to them. Dale, congratulations. I think it's a great thing you've achieved as a football club, and I really love the idea of a vegan, eco-friendly football club as well. So congratulations on both fronts. Thanks very much, Jim.
Everyone gets very excited at the end of the football season as to what might possibly happen in the summer transfer window. Will a new striker fire us to promotion? Will we challenge in Europe with the help of a towering centre-back? Maybe we'll pay over the odds for a midfielder that we sold for a fraction of the cost only a couple of years ago and announce his arrival with a rapper named after a type of weather. But with arrivals, there must also be departures, and there have been a fair few of those this week too. The biggest of those waving goodbye, in every sense of the word, was Sam Allardyce, who quit as Crystal Palace manager just five months and 25 games after taking the gig in the first place. To be fair, by comparison to his last job, that must have felt like a life stretch. Fans were shocked. Understandably, Sam had worked wonders for the club, and no doubt its supporters will be raising a pint of wine in his memory over the summer. But they weren't as shocked, however, as Palace winger Andros Townsend, who showed the kind of eloquence and command of the English language that we have come to expect from a Premier League footballer when he contributed his heartfelt and considered tribute to Big Sam when he tweeted, Wow, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Maybe social media isn't the best place for this kind of goodbye, as Manchester City found out when they began their predictable summer clear-out, waving goodbye to Willy Caballero, Bakary Sanya, Gail Clichy and, most tellingly, Jesus Navas. The club wanted to show their thanks for the Spanish winger, so started a special hashtag on Twitter for the fans to share their memories of the player. Hashtag, thank you Jesus. I mean, that's alright, innit? I mean, no one else is going to be using a hashtag like that, are they? No, no double meanings there? Good. Crack on, boys. The hashtag created a variety of responses, from the inspirational with Lewis Redfern tweeting, It's easy to show your light in the midst of darkness. Hashtag, thank you, Jesus. Come on, can't be that bad at the Etihad. There was the unappreciative, with Mar Burtwistle tweeting, Gonna miss that sidestep shimmy and cross not even beating the first man. Hashtag, thank you, Jesus. And the really unappreciative, with Agitay7 saying, Hashtag, thank you, Jesus. Now run down the wing, hit the first man at the airport, and fuck off back to Spain. And you could only find them if you could sift through the millions of other variations of thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Ironic, as most City fans were dying for Jesus to nail a cross all season. It's also worth noting that to say goodbye to Willy Caballero, City decided to use the hashtag Thank you, Willie. Which leads me to think whoever is in charge of the Blues social media is royally taking the piss. But out of all the comings and goings, the person I felt sorry for was Alex Bruce. The Hull City defender was released from his contract, but only found out the news by a tweet on the Hull City Twitter feed, to which he responded, Thanks for letting me know. All the best. Thumbs up emoji. Brutal. That must be like getting dumped via text message. I mean, I assume. Neither of those has ever happened to me. I mean, I'm not a total loser. Who gets dumped by text message? Excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got to go. And finally, congratulations, Arsenal. Commiserations, anti-Vengerists. The Gunners are FA Cup winners, Wenger is the winningest manager in the competition's history and the likelihood of him keeping his job at Arsenal have just increased tenfold. 
In fact, the celebrations of Arsenal fans were marginally overshadowed by the celebrations of Chelsea, United, City and of course Tottenham fans who were celebrating what they think is a full-gone conclusion that the Frenchman will be staying in North London for another two years at least. Even ex-Spurs striker Mido got in on the act when he tweeted, Very happy to see Arsenal winning the FA Cup. It means Wenger is staying for another two years. Hashtag, come on you Spurs. Yeah, sure. Spurs have got plenty of reasons for feeling cocky. Arsenal have now won more FA Cups than any other club. Liverpool, they've got more European Cups than anyone else. United, they've got the most league titles. And Spurs? Well, Tottenham, they... They kept pressure on Chelsea for a few weeks this season. When is that open top bus parade, lads? So what about Wenger? Is he going to stay or is he going to go? Obviously, after the game, it was one of the first questions that he faced. What now for you? Everybody wants to know, will you be at this club next season? We have a board meeting on Tuesday and I think uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we will be uh, clearer. Thank you. Let, awesome. let, let me enjoy the night. Congratulations. Enjoy it. Thank you. Maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday, maybe next week, maybe next month. He's basically doing what he's been doing all season. I know what I will do in my future. You will soon know. At the moment, uh, it's not uh, sorted completely out. I will not be in my last match anyway, because I will stay no matter what happens in football. Yes, uh, not today. He will just continue to defer the decision to a later date. It will be 2025 and Wenger will still be in charge at Arsenal, yet somehow he still will not have revealed whether he's going to stay beyond the end of this season. I don't think he's ever going to tell us. He's just going to stay there. Forever. That said, sometimes we don't choose our own destiny. We've all heard the stories about the curse of Ramsey. Whenever Aaron Ramsey scores, it is often followed quickly by a celebrity death. The Welshman netted the winner at Wembley, so who knows? Maybe Wenger's departure from Arsenal could be more sinister and more dramatic than anyone thought possible. <laughs> <laughs> Right, that's it for another episode of On The Left Side. And this is the last one of the season. So we are taking inspiration from Jose Mourinho himself. I am in holidays. I don't want to know about football. I am in holidays. We are lightening the load, but don't worry, we won't be taking a break altogether. We will still be keeping you up to date with the football funny right the way through the summer, albeit with a smaller, bite-sized podcast. So now more than ever, make sure you have subscribed so you never miss an episode. Right. I'm off to thank my willy by watching Asuakoto in action because that's full time. Adios. On the Left Side is written and produced in Manchester by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson for Abrupt Audio. This is a place that has been through some hard times. Oppressions, recessions, depressions and dark times. But we keep fighting back with greater Manchester spirit, northern grit, northern wit and greater Manchester lyrics in these hard times again. And there's hard times again. There's hard times again in these streets of our city. But we won't take defeat, and we don't want your pity, because this is the place where we stand strong together, with a smile on our face, Mancunians forever, because this is the place in our hearts, in our homes, because this is the place that's a part of our bones, because Manchester gives us such strength from the fact that this 
is the place. We should give something back. Always remember. Never forget. Forever Manchester. Choose love, Manchester. Thank you.